Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I've got some great new stuff to get into, like a new report from Ian Begley of SNY getting into some rumored earlier uh, Donovan Mitchell trade overtures and what that can mean for the Knicks' current pursuit of Mitchell, why I think the Knicks should not be in a super huge rush to get this deal done right away because they have a lot of leverage, and also a recap of the Knicks' latest Summer League win over the Magic. It's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Locked On Knicks. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I won't hold this up at all. I'll just get right into it here. There's some Donovan Mitchell updates from Ian Begley of SNY. Per Ian Begley, the Jazz and Knicks talked about a package that would have included Mitchell Robinson and at least three first-round picks per SNY sources. Utah had interest in Robinson. This was, of course, before Mitch officially inked his contract. Now, I think the, the main thing here probably is that Mitch had leverage in his situation. Leverage is going to come up a lot in this episode, but Mitch had leverage as far as where he was going to go because he was an unrestricted free agent, so... The Knicks might have approached him and said, hey, we could potentially work out a sign and trade for, with you uh, to Utah. Would you be interested in going? And he could be like, no, <laughs> you know, and that that could be that. So I, I think maybe that's why that deal ultimately fell through. But I mean, it's I find it kind of interesting. You know, so Ian was talking about the the Knicks have apparently been engaged on this Donovan Mitchell front for a little longer than we even think. You know, the, the news has only come out the past few days that. You know, Utah is looking to move Mitchell and that the Knicks are probably the front runners and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I think that there's maybe uh, uh, something to be learned from this that, you know, that there's more going on behind the scenes here than we think. But the other thing is that that package that Ian reported in this story is, I mean, pretty small compared to what we've been hearing. I mean, if the package was centered, I mean, he just says, look, he just says it would have included Mitchell Robinson and at least three first round picks. But like that seems quite a bit lower than what a lot of the like pundits are saying, which is like the whole Knicks young core plus like, you know, including like RJ Barrett plus like five to seven first round picks or whatever. I, I think there's got to be some sort of middle ground here as far as what this offer is going to be. But uh, I'll also mention in Ian's story, 
He said, uh, on Quentin Grimes specifically, the organization values the second-year guard and top decision-makers had been unwilling to move him in previous trade talks, including in the Cam Reddish trade. Also, as of Tuesday evening, sources with fam- sources familiar with the dynamics said the Knicks and Jazz were not close to making a deal. The Athletic reported on Tuesday night that the Knicks and Jazz had been in touch on a deal within the previous 24 hours and said Grimes is, to, is believed to be of interest to the Jazz. So, something else interesting there. You know, it... it I find it. I, I'm finding that Grimes' name is coming up quite a bit, and quickly, and Toppins are not. Uh, I feel like those two are not coming up very often. RJ Barrett only seems to be coming up when people are making hypotheticals that don't seem to be rooted in any reporting. Uh, whereas, you know, RJ has also come up a couple times now. Like I think Tony uh, Tony Jones from the Athletic, uh, who covers the Jazz, I think had something to the effect of, uh, of the Jazz aren't interested in RJ mostly because they don't want to give him his rookie max extension or just rookie close to max extension, whatever he ends up getting. Um, apparently, they're not interested in doing that. They want rookie scale guys. That would make sense then why they would go after Grimes, who still has three years left on his rookie deal. Obviously, Grimes is kind of doing the Knicks a lot of favors in summer league with how well he's playing, which I'll get into in a minute. But uh, you know, I think that this whole thing is is starting to shape up like Grimes might be the player centerpiece and that the draft compensation might be the more uh, poignant part of this trade at this point. Uh, it, and, you know, it seems like national people, too, are kind of of the mind that Danny Ainge wants a really insane haul, like multiple Knicks young players, an enormous amount of picks. But realistically, like the more I think about it, if it, who, if not the Knicks, are going to give them even four to five, you know, somewhat protected firsts. You know, it that's the big sticking point for me that I keep thinking about in regards to all this stuff and how this could ultimately work out for the Knicks and for the Jazz. Like, if this original proposed deal was something along the lines of, like, let's, let's even bump it up a tiny bit. Let's say that it was originally going to be, or what the Knicks were originally proposing that the Jazz were entertaining was Mitchell Robinson in a sign-and-trade We'll even say three to four first round picks and, you know, I don't know, Cam Reddish, I guess maybe, or, or maybe Grimes would have been involved in that deal. I don't know what the deal would have been there, but, you know, let's say it's those guys and then Evan Fournier or something to make salaries match. You know, I, I don't know, but it, really if that's the initial framework, then I, I don't know where these reports of the Knicks potentially having to give up like seven or eight first round picks have any merit because I just can't see a world where any other team could really even that that's actually interested in Donovan Mitchell could even really offer like half of that. Uh, So it, it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, the heat, they don't have that kind of draft capital. They have one outgoing first round pick still no incoming first round picks. So they can only do uh, I, I think their 2025 pick is the one that's traded if I'm not mistaken. So they could trade like 2023 or 2027 or I think 2029. So they could get up to three first round picks. Whereas the Knicks can very easily put together like four or five and not even really blink. Uh, So I I don't really see a a means for Miami to outbid them unless Utah was like super high on Tyler hero, which I guess in the past Danny Ainge has had a thing for, uh, you know, somewhat undersized scoring guards that don't really play defense. He was once, you know, had Isaiah Thomas on his team as a big part, followed by 
uh, Kyrie Irving followed by Kemba Walker. So I guess maybe he does have a type. So maybe that would appeal to him. But I don't think that ultimately Miami could beat a Knicks offer if what the Jazz are looking for is draft compensation, which to me, it seems like that's what their their bigger concern is, especially based off the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, so I guess we'll see. But I, I really wouldn't be surprised if when the dust settles, this deal ends up being something like Quentin Grimes, Cam Reddish, and like four to five firsts. My, my guess for what first they would be will probably be all the excess ones that the Knicks have. So the Dallas 2023 top 10 protected, uh, the two Washington Detroit heavily protected 2023 first, the top four protected Milwaukee 2025 first, and probably the Knicks own 2023 pick unprotected, which obviously is a pretty valuable thing because 2023 figures to be a really great draft. Um, so I, I don't know, but it, it just seems obvious to me at this point, some people are getting info from the Knicks side and some people are for sure getting info from the jazz side. And that, that feels more like where all these crazy offers are coming from. I think that the real deal, if slash when it happens is going to slot in somewhere more along the lines of the Mitchell Robinson trade that Ian proposed and these huge offers, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be quite so little as, as a Mitchell Robinson level player, which will say maybe it's Quentin Grimes and like three first round picks, but it's not going to be quite so much as, you know, eight first, like every possible available first round pick that the Knicks have to trade. Everything about Leon Rose says that he's probably not going to do that. And I will get into that in just a second. Uh, but first, I do have to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball and, you know, All-Star Game coming up. My boy Pete Alonzo going for a home run derby title, so maybe go bet on that. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check out on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. And I'll tell you guys, right now, they also have odds for Donovan Mitchell's next destination. And uh, next team, if traded, the Knicks are currently sitting at a whopping one-to-one. So I, you know, with how, how much smoke there is, I get the feeling there is fire. So if you, I guess, you know, it's not the biggest odds ever, but if you want to just double your money real quick and have some money to throw down, maybe not a bad idea. Head over to betonline.net and see if you can uh, place a bet there and, and, you know, bet on Donovan Mitchell making it to the Knicks. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, and with that, I'm back talking Donovan Mitchell rumors. And honestly, how much more is there really to talk about until a trade would actually happen uh, or until some some more concrete reporting starts coming out? But there was something I I did kind of want to address, which is I keep seeing all all these people, and, you know, this is like standard same old Knicks, LOL Knicks, whatever type stuff, but just being like, oh, well, you know, the Knicks have to get this deal done. And like, they're going to bid against themselves and put themselves against a wall and this, that, the other. I'm like, I don't really see that happening. I, I just don't see a world where the Knicks really bid against themselves here because I, I think Leon Rose has kind of shown to this point that he's pretty patient, pretty willing to say no to people. And 
like in general seems to have a good idea of what things cost to do in the NBA uh, and what certain players cost as far as, you know, trade packages go, how to be pretty shrewd in negotiation. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think the only way that this gets rushed along and I see this as being extremely unlikely would be if James Dolan decides to insert himself into this, but it has quite literally been almost 10 years since Dolan last meddled in something. I mean, it was probably 2013, you know, in the, in the 2013 to 14 uh, season, I guess when uh, they nixed the the deal that could have brought Kyle Lowry to the Knicks. I think, I think that was the last time that Dolan really like put his nose into Knicks affairs and kind of made his voice heard in the room. Other than that, I mean, ever since Phil Jackson, he's basically just left it to his GM to be the GM to this point. And so I don't really see a world where he's going to step in. And short of that, like, I don't know. That, like, I think the Knicks B package might just be the best one that the Jazz can get. And I think that Leon Rose kind of knows that. We got to consider, too, though, that, like, Leon Rose hasn't really – blinked in trade negotiations to this point like he got Derrick Rose for basically nothing and I mean you know Derrick Rose's value wasn't exactly high at that point so I guess you could say you know fine he just paid whatever Derrick Rose was worth the second round pick and Dennis Smith Jr. but then most of the other trades have just been kind of accumulating assets stacking stuff up you know trading <laughs> moving Ed Davis from one team to another and being the middleman in exchange for like three second round picks, you know, like stuff like that trading out of this year's draft and getting those protected first, which honestly, like I said, I was not, uh, I'll stand by this. I, I was not super fond of that decision at the time. Uh, however, I'm happy to, you know, say, all right, cool. That was a great move. If they ultimately and use three of those picks to like juice up and, and, you know, give like half fake first round picks uh, in a trade for Donovan Mitchell, then sweet. Uh, but those have been sort of the moves that he's made, and he's had a few opportunities to potentially insert himself into bigger conversations for bigger players that maybe weren't perfect fits, and has not blinked and and not you know acquiesced and and you know done something rash just for the sake of doing it. Um, Dejounte Murray comes up, for example, maybe you know a guy that the Knicks could have gotten for roughly the same package as what Atlanta got him for, but ultimately decided not to, and. I agree with that decision. I, I really don't know if DeJounte Murray would have been a perfect fit for this team, especially not in a way that Mitchell would be, where Mitchell is more of a three-level scorer, which is what the Knicks need. Uh, Murray, you know, obviously great on the defensive end, but is, you know, a guy that's only really good inside the three-point line, which is so similar to some of the other guys on the Knicks. And, you know, so despite being a first-time All-Star this year, despite being pretty young and everything else, Leon Rose said, no, you know, we're good. They made an offer. It was not you know, the, the offer uh, that Atlanta or sorry, that San Antonio wanted because they got a better deal from Atlanta, but the Knicks didn't, you know, take whatever San Antonio sent them back, which is probably a, a bigger offer closer to Atlanta's and say, yeah, let's just do it just because we have to, because we have to make some sort of deal. Uh, same thing with the Jaden Ivey trade, right? Like, I mean, I, and many people were very disappointed to see that the Knicks did not ultimately get Jaden Ivey. Uh, in the draft and weren't able to swing a deal with the Kings or the Pistons. But ultimately, you know, Leon Rose said that deal is too steep for me. That is too rich for my blood. I'm not going to take it. I'm willing to walk away from this. 
and walk away from a player that I very much want on my team. So, you know, despite all the ties with Donovan Mitchell and everything else, I, I do think that there's a good chance that the Knicks will just keep telling Danny Ainge, like, no, the offer is the offer. We'll wait because we, we have no sense of urgency here. I mean, I and I would be with him if he said that to the Jazz. You know, there's no reason for the Knicks to rush into this because they don't have the player that is trying to ask out right now. They don't have that situation where they're dealing with, you know, a frustrated player that wants out and is in a situation that, look, no matter what the Jazz say, you know, their, their initial line was, no, we're still trying to compete after the Rudy Gobert trade. We're going to try to keep building around Donovan Mitchell and this, that, the other. I mean, that's just not they're, – they're not competing this year. I'm sorry. Like, if you trade away a three-time defensive player of the year who is a six-time – I think six-time all-defense, multiple-time all-NBA or few-time all-star now, you know, that – He's he, Rudy Gobert was really, really good. You know, like he was literally their whole defense. They consistently would put out four subpar defensive players and Rudy Gobert, and he would anchor a pretty high ranking defense for Utah. And I mean, you can't just trade him out and then be like, oh, we'll just put in rookie Walker Kessler and we'll be totally fine. And we'll be able to put a competing team around Donovan Mitchell. Like it's just not going to happen. And so far, it seems like Mitchell has been pretty subdued as far as taking this public or whatever. I'm sure the reason that the Jazz now are starting to float it out there like, oh, yeah, we're looking for a trade for him is probably because Mitchell came to them privately and said, hey, you know, I don't want to be here. Like, you guys are clearly trying to rebuild. I don't want to be here for a rebuild. I'd rather go somewhere else, preferably the Knicks, you know, so I can be with Leon Rose, my old agent, and, you know, play in my hometown and whatever. And he's probably looking for that at this point and has probably made that demand privately to Utah. But if he decides to ramp that up and go public with it, and then we reach a situation where this start get, starts getting towards training camp and it's still unresolved and, you know, Mitchell is still steadfast on like, I do not want to play in Utah anymore. Then maybe you start getting a situation where he either one goes like the Ben Simmons route or whatever and just doesn't play. Or two, he does like the Jimmy Butler in Minnesota route and just comes in and is like insubordinate in practice and, you know, all that sort of stuff, which I don't necessarily know if I can see coming from Donovan Mitchell because he does seem like a consummate pro. But I mean, he probably is getting some sort of pointers from his agent now at CAA, who's probably talking to Leon Rose and they're trying to figure out like, all right, what's the best way to get you out of here and make it so we don't have to pay out the nose to acquire you. Uh, so I, I think that the pressure is kind of squarely on Utah at this point. And if I was the Knicks, I, I would not be going crazy to try to acquire him and, and give up like everything that Utah is asking for, because the reality is the Knicks have, you know, again, their B package of, you know, four uh, protected first round picks that they have from other teams and like one unprotected first round pick of their own is pretty much already higher than the next best suitor could offer in picks anyway. And then, you know, depending on how Utah feels about Grimes versus like Tyler Hero, for example, are they looking for someone that's just going to score points or are they looking for someone that's eventually going to be a foundation piece when they tank it up this year and hopefully draft like Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson or something next year? Uh, That's the question. Uh, And I guess we'll get the answer to it soon enough. Uh, But speaking of Quentin Grimes, speaking of the Summer League Knicks, 
I do want to get into the Summer League Knicks. Now they won their fourth game, 102 to 89 over the Magic. They kept up with the tradition of like doing what I feel like I always do in NBA 2K, trying to like score as many points in a row at the beginning of the game as possible before letting the other team score. I think they got up to 11 nothing again this time before uh, Orlando scored. And Orlando put up a good fight. It sort of looked like the Portland game the other day, again, where you know the Knicks got out to this big lead and looked like they were going to run away with it. And then ultimately Orlando started coming back and, you know, they made things hard on the Knicks. Um, you know, I, I, but the, the Knicks ultimately just kind of found their, their better gear in this game and managed to pull away. I'll shout out, uh, uh, who is it? Tommy Coos on, uh, Orlando had 25 points. I've never heard of this dude in my life. I don't know if I'll ever hear of him again, but 11 and 15 shooting three of five from three. I mean, he went freaking insane in this game, but as far as the Knicks are concerned, I, I don't really think there's too much left to say about Quentin Grimes and Jericho Sims. Um, they're both really awesome. Uh, I, I don't know how much they even have left to prove at this level anymore, though I am really enjoying that the Knicks are 3-1, and one, and I think they still have one more game that has not been scheduled just yet, or if it has been, I haven't seen it at the time of recording this, but they have one more, like, quote-unquote, regular season summer league game, and then I, I don't know what they're doing this year. If they're bringing the full-on tournament back now that COVID is you know, the COVID restrictions aren't as crazy and whatever, or if they're just doing the top two teams face each other again. But I, I like the idea of them potentially playing for the summer league championship because it's something we've never gotten to see for the Knicks and it would be fun. Uh, and, you know, I really like the kids on the team, so it would be cool to see them do that. But um, I, I, if the Knicks ultimately decided to sit down Grimes and Jericho for the rest of summer league, I would not totally blame them. Like Grimes finishes this game with 23 points, five boards, five assists, um, Jericho Sims, 12 points, 10 boards, five of five shooting. I mean, they both did about as, as much as they've been doing in all the rest of the games in, you know, about the same amount of minutes. I just, they don't really have anything left to prove here. Like they, they've pretty much graduated at this point. So if they want to keep playing more power to them, uh, but especially with this Donovan Mitchell trade potentially in the works, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks, said, okay, Grimes, like maybe we're going to sit you down at least because you might be a centerpiece of a trade in a couple days or so. Um, Deuce, though, I want to talk about Deuce McBride. I think he finally had a bit of a breakout. Like he, I've been saying for the last couple shows, he's been settling for pull-ups a little too much uh, in recent games. But I think in this game, he finally kind of, kind of uh, got away from that a little bit at least. He ends with 23 points on 9 of 13 shooting. Uh, five rebounds, five assists for him as well. And, you know, I, I think that he just finally decided to start using his body more and getting inside and finishing through contact. He had one really nice finish in that way, uh, I believe, in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, he's a former football player. You know what I mean? Like, he used to play football. I, I've been a little surprised to see that he has the same sort of reluctance that we saw in IQ at first because I actually think the Deuce came into the league more well built than IQ was and a little better equipped to get inside there. But I think there's a lot of similarities in what we're seeing happen with Deuce here in terms of what we had, uh, you know, going on with IQ as far as like IQ would go to his floater to kind of save himself from getting all the way inside and having to take contact. Whereas Deuce, I think goes to his pull-ups instead. And that's sort of his thing. So, you know, I, 
I, I like seeing Deuce getting away from that a bit, and I hope that he continues to throughout the rest of the summer league. Um, just because I, I think that you know if he could figure that part of his game out, like he definitely has pull up shooting down, and he can shoot from three that way. He can shoot from mid range that way. If he could just work on getting inside, he could potentially turn into like a three level scorer. And his defense just consistently throughout his time in the NBA and in summer league has just done such a good job setting up the tone. So really, I feel like that's sort of the the last thing that we need to see from him uh, for him to start turning into a potential NBA rotation player. Uh, Gene Montero too, five or seven shooting, couple decent takes going towards the hoop himself. Um, my general read on him right now though is he's just at this moment kind of an undersized scoring guard uh, who needs to show more consistency in the scoring aspect of it. That said, like I think I'd really like to see him on Westchester. I'd like to see them hopefully empower him to lead that offense and play their bunch this year and get a little seasoning. Hopefully they don't lose him to some other team in the process. Like some other team snatches him and puts him on a two-way contract or something. But, you know, I, I think Montero might have the goods. He just needs some time to figure it out. Like really he needs to figure out how to be a more consistent scorer. Also, he needs to work on getting other people involved more. Cause I just don't think that's something he's looking for at the moment. Um, and obviously, if he aspires to be a point guard in the NBA and have a ceiling anything higher than like just a microwave bench score, that's something he's going to need to work on. But maybe he does just end up a microwave bench score, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Uh, but I, I do like I like some of the the things we're seeing from his game. I just think he needs a lot more refinement. Um, I will say to Fahrenheit, I'm like totally in on him. You know, I'm I'm ready to say like, cool, just keep him on that two way contract. Um, he had another pretty good game on offense, 13 points, had four boards, three assists, uh, influenced things on defense, even though he didn't get a lot of defensive counting stats, but I think he does a really good job of just kind of like always putting pressure on the other team. I don't think he's so good that he's going to break the rotation with the Knicks or something this year, uh, especially if they pull a Mitchell trade and are trying to be, you know, more of a competitive team this year than, you know, we maybe would have thought if they had gone more of a youth movement. So, uh, but as like a breaking case of emergency type guy, you know, maybe Obi Toppin goes down or something at some point or like Julius Randle does and they need some extra like minutes at the four. I like him a lot. I think he provides a lot of versatility. He's lengthy, but he's quick. You know, he's good in the open floor, good on defense, good at, you know, going for steals and not gambling too much. So I like him a lot. Uh, on the flip side, the other two way contract, Trevor Keels, I I'm official. I'm not going to say worried about him, but I I'm ready to just. I don't need to see too much more of him in this summer league in his current state. I, I really think that he just needs to get in better shape. I, you know, it's not to say that I think he's out of shape, but I think he's going to need to work, work extra hard to add some, whatever extra explosiveness, whatever extra burst he can to his game. Because as of right now, I just think he's like, he's a little undersized and doesn't have like a godly wingspan. Uh, so, he's going to need to like really work on getting some vertical pop to his game. If he wants to be able to get shots and layoffs layups off and stuff, because as of right now, I think he's, his length is really giving him trouble as far as that's concerned. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I, I, you know, I like some of the skills. I like the shooting ability, stuff like that. He just, I guess if he's, if he's not going to get super bouncy too, he's going to need to sort of do what RJ Barrett did and work on his footwork and stuff, but to like the nth degree, around the rim and, you know, make sure that he's going to be able to get shots off. Cause as of right now, it just seems like he doesn't have the length or the craft to make that happen. But again, he's 
only 18 years old right now. He's not going to turn 19 till next month. So he's got some time to figure that out. Probably mostly in the G league this year. Anyway, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back with some more episodes next week, including maybe a crossover too. We're going to try to get some Donovan Mitchell content, obviously uh, leading up to whenever this deal happens. So we'll, uh, you know, try to get you guys some good insights on him, but until next time, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace.